If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. How do you do? It's me, Alon, the voice behind a face that you may know, bringing you another edition of Lost and Rewound for this Thursday, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. It's just me here this week. <laughs> You're probably wondering to yourself, is this actually live? He can't possibly be allowed out of the house with a New York on lockdown. The truth of the matter is, this show is recorded in advance, and a mandatory quarantine has been put into effect across my entire home state. By the time today arrives, who knows how many more lives will be impacted. There are a lot of numbers that we all have to follow now. Numbers, instructions, routines. Those like myself have been taking these things very seriously. And the outside world is a scary place. And I've been far more fortunate than I truly deserve for being not only prepared in surplus, but in mind and attitude as well in response to the most dire of consequences. Hanging out at home for me as a kid was a hell of a lot different than it is now. Sure, I watched TV, I surfed the internet, I listened to music, I even played video games constantly. Almost all of these activities required electricity to function properly. And I grew up rurally high above town, deep in the woods, semi-secluded. So on those days when the snow would pile so high, or the thunderstorms would give in to ferocious claps and flashes, or the winds would shake the trees to a violent end, sometimes the power would go out, and we'd be without it for hours, sometimes into the next morning. During these times, there was no way I could play video games, or fire at the desktop, or watch any TV. No, these dark ages called for drastic measures. Board games with the family, usually. And on occasion, though, we would have the radio on, of which operated, luckily, on D batteries as a backup. And if we happened to have ones that were fresh, it made all the difference. The antenna for this radio was decent enough, but not strong. By candlelight, I had to finesse the art of the tuner knob, navigating between all the familiar frequency numbers that I could otherwise not make out on the display. 90.9, nine, 92.3, 94.3, 97.7, 100.1, 101.5, 104.3. Hopefully whatever was playing would not annoy any one of us during Scrabble, Sorry, or Trouble and the temptation to flip the knob to elsewhere would not ruin a perfectly good signal. The living room needed fire for us to stay warm during those nights, like Christmas Eve in 1994, so my dad would put my sister and I to work with obtaining logs. As well, my soul needed sounds to stay sane. Radio was my firewood, even during times of angstier behavior where I would shut myself in my room. Music was always the escape, and to a larger effect, radio as a whole helped satiate that need for accompaniment. 
something felt familiar about hearing another voice talking to me. It didn't matter if it was commercial or non-commercial, independent or top 40, a college station or even the local adult contemporary station in town. It won't come as a surprise to those who regularly listen to this program that entertaining myself through many a power outage growing up was indeed helped by my handheld, battery-powered tape cassette recorder, and I was no doubt inspired to create radio of my very own, undoubtedly, from as early as 11 years old. It is because of that device that so many tapes, more than should have been made, were made, and kept over time to help make the show that you are listening to right here on RFB. And it recently dawned on me that it is this very program that now represents the category once taken by radio as I knew it then, except now it is I who is wielding the power of bringing that voice to those who need it most. We are supposedly coming closer together in one way, but undoubtedly we're drifting farther apart in other ways. I refuse to consider this as a new normal, though I recognize the benefit of the dramatic change of pace in everyday life as it allows most of us to take a time out and maybe just try to find some refuge in this escape like I did. In order to bring you the highest quality programming that I comfortably can for the foreseeable future, I will be bringing you this show alone. But I will not be without other voices. <laughs> so you see, for both Will and Rachel will be joining me through online conferencing means, and today we're even joined by another voice, Rachel's cousin Josh. But until things change for the better, I vow to continue bringing you new content. Every week. I certainly hope that this is maintained, though for how long, who really knows? Radio Free Brooklyn is not going anywhere for now. And while sadly, so many shows on here are in a perpetual cycle of rebroadcast and remote recordings for the time being, I am going to take advantage of this and forge on with as many new episodes that I can give you, all while donning some plastic gloves, disinfecting every surface, and washing my goddamn hands twice before I begin and twice after I am done, all so that I can bring you something to hopefully laugh at from right here in the rec room. So, get comfortable, keep that browser open, don't go anywhere. Maybe something in the next 50-some-odd minutes will inspire you. Email me if it does. Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org and maybe you can be a guest sometime from the comfort of your own home. Let's begin. Video conferencing on this afternoon. We have our delightful crew of misfits. Please say hello, Rachel Teichman. Hey! We also have Will Hasty. Hello, hello, hello. My God, welcome to the very first. My God, all Zoom. <laughs> Who will see? All individual. Zoom, zoom. Radio Free Brooklyn Show. Zoom, zoom. zoom, zoom. zoom. 
Oh, lost and rewound. Wow, guys. Uh, how do we? How do we feel? We're now. It's it's official. It's official. We're, we're, we're rolling. We've we're, been rolling for five days. We're all we'll avatars. Kind of. Know. Not really, but almost. Hey, Rachel. Why I you... coughed earlier. Hey, that's. Don't Hashtag... do that. <laughs> hey, I've been. Hey, I've been. I've been learning. We've been learning how to cook, Rach. You know how we've been filling our time this week. Well, in between work meetings and phone calls. Yeah. Procrastinating. Yeah, a lot of procrastinating. A lot of sitting at home. But then I walk my dogs, so I get a chance to get some outdoor fresh air. Hey, oh, we, nice. we have another guest on the line. Why don't you, uh, Rachel, introduce him? So Joshua November is a Brooklyn-based freelance musician who grew up in New Jersey. Josh buys natural peanut butter and loves spicy food. When there isn't a pandemic, you can find him jamming at venues all over New York City and the Tri-State area and giving guitar and bass lessons. Josh was one time within several feet of Anne Hathaway, and at one point had a Sega console. Welcome to the show, my cousin Josh November. Oh man, what a great introduction! Uh, that, that was is, incredible. That was a great love. Thank you, Rachel. I love you too. Love you too. Wait, so, uh, what is the uh, game that you remember most playing with uh, your older cousin Rachel? We see you, Josh. You had the Sega console. Did you get a chance to uh, reap the benefits of a cousin with a Sega Genesis? Uh, no. It was actually a handheld that took like six to eight AA batteries. Oh my God! The classic. Yeah, it lasted for about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it had like really complicated, not really complicated games, but like the equivalent of like full on Sonic the Hedgehog, right? And it would like, you'd get like maybe a way through like two levels and it would die, right? Yeah, it, it had Sonic the Hedgehog, it had um, VR Troopers or something what? like that. Oh my god. Troopers, I forget. Wow. It was fun. Thing. But I don't know. I think that. Uh, well, since Rachel, you know, is younger than me, and when we were little playing games, the age difference was bigger. So most of the games that we played together were not necessarily video games. I mostly did that with her older brother. But when there was a game of hide and seek and stuff like that, then it was definitely three people. Yeah. Well, Rachel. we also you also had that uh, racing game. I was I was a huge fan of that racing game as well as the Worms game. Worms are Armageddon. Worms Armageddon. Worm. Worm. Uh, it was Worms Two. Oh my god! <laughs> I think Armageddon is the first one. But yeah, we were playing Worms Two, where you could like have all these worms blow each other up and speak in different accents from around the world. I remember this and, game. Um, <laughs> I remember this game. It was really fun. It was yeah. like yeah, it's amazing. Explosive chief. What was your favorite? What was your favorite super weapon, or what was your favorite? What was your favorite accent, and what was your favorite weapon to throw? Uh, the favorite accent was definitely the Yorkshire accent. Yes. Uh, <laughs> or, or sorry, not the Yorkshire accent, the Cockney accent. All right. Co- yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still think that I think that's Northern England anyway. Yeah. Uh, We're in Bonnie, buddy. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, going hand in hand with that, of course, uh, the holy hand grenade. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to. I, was it a early intervention for you, or was that like, or was that like late in your gaming development, Rach? That was very early in my days. Oh. That, was, that, that was that was like in the so, era of so, unironically playing um, like Sesame Street. So games. in that so in that vein, Josh, please tell us 
what was your, please tell us about your first introduction to Rachel and how you guys, I mean, you're, you're cousins, yeah? Have you grown up together in New Jersey? Have you, were you spending every yeah. holiday together type of cousins or? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. I remember living in an apartment with my mom in Cranford, New Jersey when I was about like four or five or something. Uh, and then I remember Rachel's mom being pregnant and then i remember uh at some point her being born and they came to the apartment and uh yeah so i mean you know rachel has rage has been there rage texted a very sweet picture of what i believe is a very young you holding a baby her oh yeah, yeah i saw that that was oh, great wow. yeah i'll send that to you they trusted me to hold you <laughs> no, it was actually, it was, well, actually, yeah, I hit my head on the couch in the video, but, uh... <laughs> oh, oh. Was it my fault? Well, I was a, a combination of, you were too young to, like, know, and then, like, no adult that was right there cared to, like, catch me in time. <laughs> but I, well, I didn't cry or anything. we're not the most coordinated bunch. Yeah, no. Let me ask you, Josh. Uh, you know, because we're doing video chatting, uh, I can't help but notice that you have behind you two guitars—not just one guitar, but two guitars. I see three. Is there I see three? three as well? Are either of those guitars one that you have had since you were younger? My main instrument is bass, but I do play a lot of guitar. Okay. When did you start learning to play bass? That was your your first instrument that you learned to play. No. Uh, <laughs> Rachel knows all these answers already, but I started learning how to play violin when I was around six, and I was, like, learning classical music and the whole Suzuki method oh, and all those books, you know, with Lightly Row and Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, gradually working way up to Baldi and all that, but, uh, I kind of hated it after a while, and I wasn't playing any music. Until uh, I was about 12, and I saw a band of 7th graders while I was in 6th grade playing Nirvana song. I was like, oh, I want to do that, too. It was a talent show. Oh, yeah? It was, it, nice. it was the last day of school, and uh, I was not performing. I was in 6th grade sitting with my friends, and there was a 7th grade band. Um, and they played Smells Like Teen Spirit and maybe like the Ace of Spades oh, or something like that. And... Um, and yeah, they were all like, "Oh, let's form a band." Like, okay, I'll play drums. Okay, I'll sing. I'll play. I'll, I'll play guitar. Josh, you play bass. And I was like, "What's a bass?" <laughs> <laughs> and now it's how I make my entire living. Rachel, do you remember witnessing this as a child? Yeah, yeah, I do. Like, I like it went from, it, like, pretty much how I remember it is like. He would play violin at family gatherings, and then, like, one or two years went by, and he didn't play anything, and then all of a sudden, he could play bass. So, Josh, could you give us your version of that story? <laughs> he kind of just did. I think, well, fair. I think that Rachel has a much better memory of my, oh my God. Oh. Well, then, what's the point of you being here? No, kidding. Josh. I have two questions. Yes, though. Rachel, um, ask them. When you got into this, when they were like, Josh, you played bass and all that after the talent show... Was this before or after you played JoJo in Susical? <laughs> uh, it was it was the exact same time because oh. I was starting to play JoJo in Susical the Musical, my star role of my theater life. Uh, right before my voice changed, the summer after sixth grade, 
which is right when I rented a bass. And also, Jake, uh, my brother, had won another electric guitar uh, at an auction or like a raffle or something at the opening of the local soccer field. Amazing. Um, and so okay. I, I also wow. started learning guitar around the same time because we had it in the house. Is this the same band that you performed with at your bar mitzvah? No. Funny thing is, none of those friends who wanted to start a band actually learned their instruments except me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I discovered when I came back to school in the fall that these other people in my school did actually play that I didn't know about before. <laughs> Got it. And so, right. and so from this point on, were you just, was that it? Bass was... That was your music, or that was the most fun uh, well, you actually, had. I played, the I played lead guitar. Uh, I would have played bass if someone else had played guitar, but uh, the other kids played drums and bass, and neither the guitarists. So I was playing a lot of guitar, uh, and I, I'm mainly a bassist. But my first bands were I was playing guitar and lead guitar, and uh, now I'm definitely also playing a lot more guitar, or at least before this whole pandemic. You have an older brother, and yeah. he plays music as well. Is that just the two of you guys? Uh, actually, he's a poet and a translator. Wow. So he's oh, wow. Not, I mean, he can play music. You know, like, when we were kids, we would yeah. write some songs together. If I had those files, I would have sent them to you. But he, he'll yeah, no be the time. first to admit he doesn't have rhythm. Understood. Uh, so, no. <laughs> so we couldn't really jam. Did you have a number of very loving brotherly attempts where, like, it was so painful that at a certain point it just broke down and you guys started fighting? Or was it, like, more of an amicable well, breakup? I think that, like, when, when we worked best together would be as if I came up with a chord progression and then my, my brother would start writing lyrics. And, and some oh, melodies. Wow. Around that period of time, what music were you listening to? What what influenced you? What different artists like drove you into being like, oh my god, I want to do that, you know? Oh, uh, Pink Floyd and the Beatles and Jimi Hendrix and classic rock and all that good stuff. All that good guitar solo jams. Uh, are, you, are you a metal fan? Like, and by metal, I mean the the Pink Floyd album, Metal. <laughs> oh, oh, metal. Yeah, yeah, that's a great album. <laughs> echoes, I, echoes, wait, echoes, seventeen minute or twenty three minute version. I didn't know there was a seventeen minute version. So <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go fuck yeah! The twenty three minute version is better in my humble opinion. You definitely, you definitely made me sit through the twenty three minute version at I least did. three times. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Uh, cool. That's torture. Yeah. That's a terrible way to torture your 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 baby is, cousin. Uh, no, 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 no. I was Joy, into it. What are you no, I was into it. You are okay. But I was like, this is really long. Josh, I See, wish I, I had a Rachel cousin as cool as you. Memory of our childhood than I do. If my cousin, if my older cousins had made me sit through a bunch of Grateful Dead, and they wouldn't have because I knew that they didn't think of me as that uh, cool, I probably would have been like, "Can I go, please?" <laughs> Can I can I get out of the car? Can I roll out uh, of the well, car? You know, I don't like listen to this. So <laughs> Wait, so were your parents really and okay. uh like into this like their kid their their two sons uh playing all this music together or, or what kind of music did they listen to uh and how much of a support yeah, system were they? Um, did they provide? Our parents are both musicians as well. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So my mom my mom's an opera singer and uh my stepdad is a conductor. Wow. Oh, wow. What, what orchestra does he conduct? Or where, where, where does he work? Uh, well, now he works in the textile industry. Um, gotcha. Cool. But he but was he had an orchestra 
he had an orchestra a few years ago. He did. He did. And they put on some amazing concerts, but you know what? It wasn't sustainable uh, funding-wise, unfortunately. But um, Hob- he lived in Hoboken in the 80s and 90s before it became uh, one square mile of pure gentrification and lost all its culture and interest. But when he was there, he was living in this shoddy little apartment. Nothing like that exists there now. And he was the founder and conductor of the Hoboken Chamber Orchestra. Oh, wow. wow. For 10 years. Wow. From the 80s through the 90s. They did a lot of concerts, got a lot of great press in the New York Times uh, as a New Jersey orchestra, and they put on a concert with Tito Puente. Um, Holy and, shit. Yeah, did a lot of really cool stuff. When he and I are playing a game and he's beating me, I scream uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's a good one. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Um, your experiences with going to shows must have been very different from a lot of others. Uh, getting a chance, to, I mean, especially with your dad being, uh, or, you know, having an orchestra. Um, so you had an appreciation for the Shirley musical from a very young age. Uh, well, I'm, well and just uh, just for one quicker application, you said your stepfather was a conductor. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So um, did you was he part of your life growing up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like my brother that I was talking about is my stepbrother, his son. I see. So got it. Yeah, my parents. My parents were divorced by the time I was three or four, and then they both got married to their new spouses within like a year of each other. By the time I was five or six, they got married um, when I was like a month old. Mm. So, from my perspective, like they've just been there. Just so obviously, my last name is November. My mom's maiden name is May. What? Are you serious? (laughs) What? that is awesome. My <laughs> dude, that is both serendipitous and like fate, right? That is two simultaneous opposites kind of coexisting at the same space. Wait a second. When's your birthday, though? <laughs> oh, there it is. Uh, it's not in November. Okay. Uh, it's in March. Sorry to disappoint. Fuck. Yeah, you turned 28 during this pandemic. I did. Yeah, it was like a, you know, Essentially, Two weeks maybe ago. four or five days before it started getting real weird. Happy, yeah. happy belated yeah, birthday. Exactly. Uh, they're all pandemic birthdays. How have you been acclimating now that uh, you can't really play gigs? Uh, it's I mean, obviously, everybody now in the world of music has to sort of just chill and hunker down and wait and try and figure something out uh, to the best of their abilities uh how how does uh joshua november uh get creative in a time like this well since i cannot play any gigs and all of my income was from gigs i've been trying to get more students via like skype or zoom or what whatever online interface you want to use um i have done a lot of teaching before but most recently as i've been performing i haven't been trying to expand my roster but now i very much am so if you would like guitar or bass lessons for me but most people want guitar lessons um then please email me at josh.music.lessons at gmail.com or you can dm me on instagram which is just at josh november have you traveled a lot for your uh, work in with music in general? Uh, so, uh, you know, technically you've planted your seeds in different states other than just New Jersey. So there's uh, plenty of people probably who know you uh, through your gigs throughout the country. Or have you kind of kept it conducive to the more of the local scene? 
well, I would say that most of the gigs I do that I get paid for are in the tri-state area. Yeah. But I was in a band for about five years that I was very passionate about, and I was also our booking agent. Um, oh, wow. So I booked us. I booked us more than this, like in total, but I booked us a hundred shows in two years. Wow. Uh, wow. In like the the largest, the biggest concentration of, of our gigs um, over the shortest amount of time. And um, wow. the the distance, the, the longest tour we did that I booked was a month long. And it ranged from in the Northeast to Burlington, Vermont and Montreal in the Northwest to Chicago, Southwest Nashville and Southeast uh, Raleigh. What was the most so, embarrassing yeah. show that you ever played? Oh, man. The worst show I ever played was in this art gallery in Baltimore. And, um, you know, there's tons of art everywhere, which is great. And then we walk into the room where we're going to play, and there is a diorama of a drive-in movie theater right next to the stage. But you it's sure it wasn't showing... a diarrhea? Go on. Up, yeah. It's a diorama of a drive-in movie theater next to the stage and it's showing gay porn you know it was a very diy space so <laughs> i saw a lot of chairs in their storage so i started setting them up granted uh -oh. they're like we're getting paid by a door deal right so one of the staff members who's working the event is like oh you have to pay to use those chairs and i was like excuse me like you're not paying us anything and you wouldn't have anyone in here today if it wasn't for me. So I'm going to go ahead and set these chairs up and create a show at your weird-ass venue uh, <laughs> without paying for your chairs. Mr. Attitude. So, anyway, we play the show. It actually goes very well. Like, people come. It's nice. Um, but then the owner shows up, and he is very drunk and very flamboyant, which is fine that he's flamboyant. I don't care, but he's very drunk. And he offers to, uh, after the show for us to go and join him on the roof and smoke weed with him. Okay. So my bandmates and I are like, well, yeah, we, we love weed. So <laughs> he, we go up on the roof uh, with him, and he doesn't have any weed, but he does start, like, trying to kiss our guitarist's neck and, like, touch my nipples. No. Um, nice. No. No, so no, 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 we, no, no, no. Go, yeah, so $20 total we made from the door, and we just unload oh, and get the fuck out. No. That's <laughs> so mortifying. Um, can you really like sexual you... assault then? Uh... Yeah, it, does. <laughs> yeah. it wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> can yeah. you can you give us the name of set of this venue? Gallery seven three seven or something like that. It's in Baltimore. Oh in, man. Uh, in Hamden. Gallery seven three seven art space and porno theater here for all uses. Meet yeah. our <laughs> I, I think that's the number. And who was, who was the what was the guy's name? I don't remember. Okay. Let's bring that's, up. That's great. Yeah, that's don't remember his name. Story. His name name is not required. Make up for for that. Uh, when you think back to your time with this band for the five years, what was like the one, mm -hmm. possibly the most memorable experience that makes you long for being in that band again? Just like one one show that like was like the most thrilling. Okay, uh, it's a little hard to pick, but I'll go with the one that makes for a more interesting story. Uh, and I will go for the, we played a really, really fun show to a packed house at the Empire in Portland, Maine. It's like 200 people. Wow. Yeah. No, um, that's a... What was your band's name? Atlas Bloom. But it's over now. And it, yeah, it's over. 
Okay. Um, yeah. I still wear the t-shirt sometimes, though. Uh, you don't have to do that. But the reason that the show was memorable was, one, because it was packed, and uh, two, because we were wearing solid color uh, and all different color polyester, 100% polyester suits. <laughs> and also... Nice. Um, nice. That is... Also, the, dude. Uh, our, the person who we called our quote-unquote tour manager was just our friend who was under 21, so we had to make sure she could get into all these venues for us. But she, <laughs> she was going to school in Providence, Rhode Island at the time, yeah. and she managed to procure some weed coconut oil. Wow. Um, oh. So nice. we took this stuff you know, a little bit before the show and because we had like a bunch of like kind of very low attendance shows before this one. And we figured, well, we're still in New England. This one probably won't be that great either. And it was actually amazing. And like, basically like as soon as the band before us went on, I think we all really, really started coming up on this coconut oil. (laughs) So by the time we got on stage, we were so, so stoned. Uh, <laughs> and I was at, like, I I never got nervous for any of those band, that band's shows because it's like, it's just rock music. Like, we know it cold. We've played the song so many times. But, yeah. like, there were really good bands that went before us and it was a packed house and we were wearing polyester suits and we were so high. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was nervous, but it went, it went really well. It's <laughs> so, I mean, Hey boy, I, I was so expecting you to be like, we got on and we were the most magnificent band ever, and then we came down and we realized we were screaming at each other and totally nonsensical. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think it went really well and people enjoyed it. That's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh my God, that's awesome. Dude. Ra- Rachel, did you ever get a chance to see Atlas Bloom play live when they were around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was challenging because I was under 21, so... Like, yes, I made it to a few shows. I mean, I remember a few Atlas Bloom experiences. I just don't know what the first one was. I have a very memorable one, but it wasn't, I don't think it was the first. It definitely was not the first. Uh, What what are you thinking? Which one are you thinking of? I'm thinking of the MTV Basement concert. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah that was, that was not, right. Yeah, you were there. And you came with a friend. That was really yeah. Cool. It was not the first one, but it was definitely very memorable. It was this concert in somebody's basement. There were tons of people, but then like this MTV crew showed up. Like I did watch Atlas Bloom perform, but then kind of the negative part of this was they were pulling audience members away to be extras in a film shoot. It was uh, it was like a food show of some kind. Like a, the reason MTV of- was there was because they were doing a special on college cuisine or some shit like that. Sure. Are you serious? Like, like, yeah, like yeah. here is how to refry your pizza. And I was in a party scene. <laughs> I was under twenty one, so they they handed me an empty cup, and they were like, "Pretend you're drunk." <laughs> <laughs> what and what did you do? And what 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 did you do? Well, they basically just had us all scream something a couple times. I don't remember. Okay, because I can just oh, imagine God. being like, I'm trying, like throwing yourself into someone. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I was like, I don't know, like 18. And like me and my friend like went to this performance, and that was very memorable for me. But it, it was definitely not the first time. So your band is now in this realm of, of, of rising. Um, you bring your cousin to this awesome MTV underground party concert. <laughs> 
And at this last. point, where are where are you in your career? I mean, like, are you are you just out of college, or have you <laughs> gone to school yet? Are you are you? You were like you, my age. You were like how old I am now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was before. It was when I actually was. I might have still been living at home if I hadn't moved to Jersey City yet, but um, it was definitely like while I was in this band. Uh, part of what allowed me to be doing it was I didn't really have very many gigs coming out of college. So okay. I was making all my money just from teaching. So that's when I was really, really teaching a lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I had, I had a lot of students. It was fun. I, I like teaching a lot. Uh, so please DM me at Josh November on Instagram for lessons. <laughs> no, um, I forget that. Yeah. But, uh, but, but yeah, we will uh, pass you that, on. that's where I was. And, uh, but it's interesting. Like, I'm really glad I did all that stuff then. Cause there's no way I could do it now um you know like just sign up oh yeah i'll play at this basement show on a saturday night for no guaranteed pay like that's just not how my life works anymore if i'm yeah. gonna be playing music on a saturday night you better be paying me it's true <laughs> right on we're gonna take a quick breather for this word from rfb but when we return boy howdy do we have some cute ass clips coming through <laughs> yeah back at you in one minute. Radio free. At Radio Free Brooklyn, we always welcome new neighbors. Dashi, a new American restaurant and cafe specializing in Japanese and Asian comfort food, has just opened up at 119 Ingram Street, only a few blocks from the Morgan L Stop. They've got great dishes, noodles, rice dishes, small plates, and salad. And if you want a hamburger or BLT, they've got that too. They're open every day, most days from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m., and you could order online from Grubhub, Postmates, or DoorDash. Check them out at dashibrooklyn.com. That's D-A-S-H-I brooklyn.com. And tell them Radio Free Brooklyn sent you. Well, yeah, I am here. I'm just me. It's just me here in the studio, but I'm joined by three voices with faces and some great backgrounds <laughs> via video conferencing means uh, Will Hasty and Rachel Teichman, joined by Rachel Teichman's cousin, Josh November, our guest this week on LNR. Thank you all again for doing this. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I'm looking at, uh, you know, Josh's uh, backdrop is a white wall with some uh, guitars and basses. Will's got some china in the background. Rachel's got the pansexual flag, right? Is that correct? That is indeed what that is. It's, I recognize the colors. And then me, I just got, uh, you know, soundproofing. I'm in the studio. It's just a backdrop. You Whatever. got the rec room. I got so sexy. Tell us about 1995, Josh. <laughs> Uh, well, I was three. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What can we expect from three-year-old Josh? Um, someone who means well, but is still a selfish three-year-old. Fair. <laughs> I get it. It's going to be very cute, and we're going to laugh a bunch. Take a listen to Josh November, 1995. You can get out. Just turn sideways. Here we go. Oh, Josh. Can I go upstairs? Can I go upstairs and have a walk? Can I go upstairs? Okay. <sighs> no, we're coming oh. down. We're coming down. There's no reason to come up. All right, come here. 
Oh, that's sweet. Yay, Jeffrey! I'm wearing dinosaur. I'm wearing dinosaur big boy pants. Yes, you are. Okay. Come down. Thank you. They go up. No, let's stay down here. It's dangerous on the stairs. Jeff dangerous. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, let's stay down here, okay? No, I'll go up. With you. I know you do, but let's stay down here for now. No. No. I rather I'm gonna play with Jeffrey's toy. No. Play with your toy. I just share with you. You can play with it now. Okay? I just what I could. Can I have that? Jo can I have that, Daddy? Yes, Joshua. Was adorable. I must say, that was absolutely flaming. <laughs> so I should mention that um, the the younger, slightly younger voice Jeffrey that you all heard yes. was my brother. Yes. And the person telling him not to go upstairs was my dad. So Josh, that was you lending him my big toy car yeah i guess i didn't want to share that one so i was like i'll give you one car and then i i would offer him another car but he didn't want the other one and then i gave him another option instead and he didn't want that one either but i apparently wasn't willing i wasn't willing to share the one that he wanted because i think once i realized that he wanted that one i realized just how valuable it really was and uh, in your dino big boy undies for our listeners, we're ba we basically watch a two and three year old progress from what is basically the open the, the foyer at the base of a stairwell in a in what is looks like a very nice house, moving into what I'm assuming was the living room, where a bunch of toys were set up, and we see these guys basically move from one toy set to the other as Josh is sort of lovingly trying to share, this, trying to share while also manipulating him at the same time. You know? <laughs> Because, like, yeah. you, you were kid. just older enough. Yeah. yeah. Like, just barely older enough that, like, you had a better sense of what was going on, but, like, you could still kind of manipulate him. Right. <laughs> I think, I don't know for sure, uh, but I think that was also what was going on once I was like, oh, this one is too big or something. Uh, no, uh, now, like, giving, 
giving some sort of bullshit reason for why he can't yeah. use that one. Oh, yeah. it's too big. No. You don't want to use oh, that. Oh, this one's got a smudge, man. No, you wait. know, you want another one. Yeah. <laughs> wait a second. So, remind us, you have an older stepbrother, is that correct? Yes, he was not... I did not know him yet at that time. Okay, so it would seem that maybe there would be some rubbing off on like the way that you were treated from an older sibling, and you're like, now I'm older, now I'm gonna behave this way to Jeffrey just this so I can. Here, Josh. No, it, it's it's even worse. I was an only child. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, well, so you like? No, playing... I can't blame anybody. No, no, you have yeah. yourself to blame. Um, you never had you never had the kick off the pedestal experience. Uh, no, no, I no. have not. No, that that'd be bad. You had cars. You had like your racing. Uh, you were all about yeah, the matchbox. No. I actually had a suitcase full of Hot Wheels cars. That's awesome. Nice. Wait, was that your thing? Yeah. Like, what? What was your? What, I you, loved you matchbox your, like, cars beloved. myself too. I was all about Hot Wheels. All about the Hot Wheels. Micro machines, my friends. But Josh, what was your what was your choice within the Hot Wheels department? I don't think I discriminated between Hot Wheels and Matchbox, actually. Yeah. But I also had a lot of toy trains, electric trains. Oh, wow. Um, and, like, one of them actually was a steam engine that actually puffed out real steam. Oh, my God. What? Cool. That's yeah. super dope. That's pretty flaming. I think I received a ton of cars secondhand from an older cousin who was giving away a ton of toys. And then every other Matchbox or Hot Wheels car, I guess, that I got... Was from fucking McDonald's. Like they just look at the, like the yeah. Happy Meals, uh, yeah. Yeah. and you just yeah. like got these cars. Do you guys yeah. remember like the ones that like you dropped it in water and it changed color? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, so, totally. So extra. Absolutely. I would Dude, love I a car that, was... that just like went inside a car wash and came out with like a doper color. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I would stand under the faucet and just like put it there at the bottom of the sink and just watch. Sure. Right, like I would just turn hot to cold. Totally. Hot. Yeah. At this point, we've seen you. You know, take care of your cousin, or I'm sorry, that was your big, that was your, yeah, that was your cousin. So Rachel's yeah. brother. And um, what is this next clip? What year is this? 2006, I think. It's either 2006 or 2007 uh, when I was, it was basically, it's a video that my two other friends and I made as a mockumentary of a day in the life of Central Middle School. And we each have these characters that we play. And so, yeah, we're, we're graduating eighth grade and we show it on the last day of our eighth grade. So it's actually, we show it at the same talent show two years later that I saw that band of seventh graders perform oh, at. Man. That's awesome. You're wow. versatile, man. And, uh, and yeah, so this video, the my one friend plays the character of... Uh, Tony Tortellini. Tony, um, Tony Tortellini. Yeah, he's not Italian. It's very problematic. <laughs> <laughs> My other friend, Alex, uh, who actually was in a T-Mobile commercial with Catherine Zinjones. Actually, no, he wasn't. He wasn't in a commercial with her, but it was around the same time she was doing T-Mobile stuff. Uh, anyway, so, so they were both T-Mobile reps, basically. Right. Yeah. He put. He's the one who says your friends are hot. I don't know if you remember. What? That. Yeah, like it was on while uh, while during like the first couple seasons of Desperate Housewives, and, like lost such a memory in that era of TV. I had yeah. no idea you knew him. Yeah, friends like, are hot. Like, so yeah, we have a time. Yeah, they're sitting at the dinner table. Yeah, was that? No, continue sitting at the dinner oh, table. Yeah, Paint the picture. They're sitting at the dinner table and they're like, "Oh, who's in your top five? And uh, my friend Alex lists. Oh, Jenny, Kathy, you know, all these girls. And uh, those are 
his sister's friends and the sister's like parents aren't you going to do anything about this and uh they're like no and she gives a disgusted look to Alex and Alex is like your friends are hot we're going to listen to two uh two minutes uh, just a, a small smidget of a clip uh, from this otherwise uh 13 minute long film that you created uh what can we expect from this excerpt uh, you're going to hear me, uh, be a jock. That's the character I was playing. So there was Tony Tortellini, Lube, the dork that Alex played and I'm the jock, uh, Bruce. Okay. Are you still wrestling at this point? No. Okay. The film is called A Day in Your Life, Central Middle School, uploaded actually by Jonathan November. Yeah, that's my dad. Okay, great. <laughs> Perfect. On Onward. I always wear a jock strap to class just in case it gets rough, you know? Paper football games are intense. Okay, so this is gym class, and today we're practicing soccer. So I'm gonna kick this ball right here all the way from second base to home. Okay, here I go. Wish me luck. Okay, so soccer's over now, and now we're practicing football in gym class. So it's a really trick, tough, tough trick, but I'm gonna see if I can do it, okay? I'm gonna catch this football with my teeth. Okay, I'm ready! Pass! Oh. Well, it's okay, it didn't work this time, but uh, it's a really hard trick, so maybe I'll get it next time in gym class. It's I have braces so I can catch it with my teeth. Okay, so now from football, we're doing basketball in gym class. So I'm gonna take this spalding basketball right here and I'm gonna shoot it from the 50 yard line at full court to the swishy hoop de doop de place. See? That was my 50-yard punt. I told you I could do it. Drop pizza. Okay, so basically, it's been a day in the life of Bruce Callahan. I'm pretty cool. Got a, you know, yeah. I got some chocolate from a very nice teacher, and uh, you know, hung out with my jock friends. All of them, all very athletic. So it's been cool. Touchdown! You could tell, but I was wearing a cup. All day that day. <laughs> yeah, well, then it was clear that you had something in your pants. It was clear that there was something there. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, I could, and like, and like, it was pretty blurry, right? So I couldn't tell whether you were just—is that like a sock load or are you actually wearing a jockstrap? You know, like you actually wearing yeah. A and I knocked on it three times. Yeah. That's amazing. In the video, and we showed it to the entire school. Incredible. <laughs> Hell yeah. Love Hell it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, there's a lot to un unpack here. Who was your inspiration? Please, there must have been some inspiration for this. Uh, <laughs> all, all of the physicalities in this are so good that it sucks that no one's going to be able to see it just, like, right off the bat. You're, like, limping, and you're, like, kind of, like, pushing your knees in like towards each other and just sort of like hobbling in this sort of like crip walk kind of thing? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think I was just very naturally uncoordinated. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> so it's it's funny that you know my role was to be the jock, someone who you would assume is coordinated. I was wearing a cup the whole day when we were shooting that. I knocked on my dick three times, you know, Jesus. in front of the school yeah. as we showed this video. And yeah, it was great. I mean, in my friend's segment, Louv the Geek, he was carrying his books and we got the principal to walk past him and knock all his books out of his arms <laughs> and, and call him a loser. <laughs> so it seemed like it was a lot of no. fun perpetuating like these uh, sort of general stereotypes at the time. It was received well. It was received very well, yeah. Did you go to the same middle school, or did you? Were you with the same people from middle school to high school? Because especially at the end of middle school, those moments of like having those together, where everybody gets to comment on each other, you all know everything about each other. Like those could be a real, especially when you're putting them on film. That can be that that that's like a lifelong memory moment of like joy, right? Where you guys are actually like for the first time really reflecting on yourselves. Did this have a kind of profound impact on you? And were you with those people past that point or no? Once we graduated eighth grade, my middle school went to a regional high school that four other towns also sent their middle school to. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Around 3,000 kids at this high school. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but by contrast, it was maybe like, I don't know, 800 or something like that in the middle school. And then uh, there's you with this mop top. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it was before my hair curled. Well, I guess it's kind of straight now, but I haven't showered. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, like like there was but, like there were like a couple of months where I saw you for some family event or whatever, and you had straight hair, and then I saw you again a few months later, and your voice changed, and your hair was curly. <laughs> yeah. Well, in that video, you can hear my voice in the process of changing. Oh, no. Totally. Yeah. Totally. What, that makes it so middle school when you scream and crack for the top yeah. half of that screen. Uh -huh. It was so perfect. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There was a definite class clown uh, nature. Even before this, like, were you known for that sort of acting out behavior? I can't speak to exactly what my reputation was, but I can tell you I got a fair amount of detention in middle school, yeah. Cool. <laughs> right on. Right on. Did you uh, like playing sports, though? Or was it like you were just completely goofing on it? Well, I really did like playing soccer. Um, but, I mean, that cup was from a very long time ago. Uh, the last baseball team I was ever on was in fourth grade in Little League, and I was on the Dodgers, and... Uh, we were we were in the World Series and like it was a close game or something like we could have potentially won maybe it was tied and we had two outs and I got up to bat and I struck out and everyone hated me and that was my <laughs> last game of uh, baseball I ever played but yeah so I was wearing that cup. understandable I was wearing that cup you know from fourth grade and a couple of years before that and here I am I still have it and I'm wearing it in a video all day. Uh, shooting this video for an entire day in eighth grade. It's just ama it's amazing to me. <laughs> that, that's awesome. The, the yeah, apple so literally does not fall from the tree. Rach, he was involved with cups much earlier than you. <gasps> oh my god, he was! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Who would have thought? It well, ran in the family. Done. Well done. That was good. That was wow. That was that was flaming. Your father put it online, and now it's available to be seen. I mean, that's amazing. That's such, that's such a compilation of itself. Yeah, that's a wonderful. Yeah. Well, I knew it was on YouTube somewhere, but I couldn't find it. And my dad is like the 
record keeper of my life. He's a photographer. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so like any pictures or any videos that I was ever in, he has them Aww. today. I knew I was coming on this. And I was like, dad, like, do you have this video somewhere? And he knew exactly where to find it. And 25 within, minutes, son. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Within 15 minutes, he put it up on YouTube and sent me the link. That is awesome. We take it for granted how uh, integral our parents are to the actual access to most of our uh, most embarrassing moments. So uh, for that, I, I have to say thank you uh, very much to your father for uh, playing along uh, in order for your footage to be heard on this week's edition of Lost and Rewound. Uh, before you get out of here, uh, any quick shouts or uh, you know re reiterations of plugs that you want to get out there? Yes, the biggest reiteration of a plug I could give right now is I have no gigs, so please, I'm a very accomplished musician. I majored in jazz performance. I can, but I also love rock music and R&B and anything you can name. If you would like to learn how to play guitar in your quarantine, or learn how to play bass or upright bass, acoustic guitar anything please 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 uh, i can give you online lessons if you dm me at josh november on instagram or email me at josh.music.lessons at gmail.com i have to pay rent thank you for being on the show Indeed. Indeed. and will and rachel thank you both for uh calling in via video means to uh rock the jam with me this week of course i and think we're always. gonna be doing this a lot in the near this future is, we will so. be our norm <laughs> Before we say goodbye, I would be remiss if I did not bring up a very important piece of information that you need to hear. It's about our Drive to Five fundraising campaign. It is still underway, <laughs> despite what is going on out there. We are, in fact, turning five years old in May, and we do need to hit our $25,000 goal so we can continue bringing you commercial-free independent radio for another five years. We are uh, nowhere near 50% yet. We are getting there, but not even halfway there. So it's only a matter of weeks, and we could really use your support. There's so many ways to do this, including going on your phone, sending to 44321 the text RFBGIVE5. That you can just make a small monthly donation, and it will make all the difference. It's so easy. Just make that pledge on your phone. That's R-F-B-G-I-V-E, the number 5, to 44321. We have great gifts for giving available on our website if you do this, including limited edition five-year t-shirts designed by former Clash manager Cosmo Vinyl. If you would like to get one of these great premiums, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash drive to five. Make your donation. And if you cannot afford to give, which is understandable in this kind of climate that we're living in, call the number 718-673-8201 and let us know how much you love us. If you consent, your message may be played on the air. So you have 718-673-8201 to call us and leave us a voicemail. You can go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash drive to five and pick up some amazing swag to benefit us. Or you could text RFBGIVE5, the number five, to 44321. 
Finally, if you did enjoy what you heard today, you can also check out our previous episodes. They're up on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, or really anywhere you get your podcasts for that matter. Take a gander, though, at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash LAR, first and foremost, and you can bookmark that page and have hundreds of episodes all right there for you to hear with a click of a button. I'm Alon, and this has been episode 207 of Lost and Rewound. Wash your hands, stay safe, and I'll look forward to having you again with us next week. That's right, next Thursday from 3 to 4 p.m., right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. For the record, this is the first time there's ever been such a long, slow monologue to be in front of the show. Yeah, I don't know what, I don't know what this is. Like, that's the benefit of this show. This is brand new. Life, yeah. As it allows Bro. most of us to take a time usually, out. Usually, usually the intro is about 30 seconds. And then yeah. Like I did. It's a new day.